everybody. This is Jessica, and welcome to In Full Flow. Today, I and my co-host, Janice, will be interviewing each other so you can get to know a little bit about us. So we will be answering fun questions like, what's your favorite sound, and how do your family and friends describe what you do for a living, as well as some serious ones like, how, do you do, how did you get into what you do for a living? Hi there, this is Janice. And Jessica, and you're listening to In Full Flow. A show about how to find true work-life balance for people who aren't men. Because the vast majority of advice out there about how to succeed in business and life is rooted in male biology. So if you were born with female neurology and biology, like ovaries, uteruses, and the female pelvis, or if your body runs on the estrogen-progesterone hormone operating system, usually called the menstrual cycle, or you care about someone who does, this show is for you. All of those tips and tricks about how to be high-achieving, high-performing, and productive while also being fit, healthy, and happy come from systems built by men for men. But women aren't small men, and we need to stop beating ourselves up about that. So if you've ever tried and failed at the latest fitness craze, or even old standby career advice for highly effective people, maybe it's not that you couldn't hack it. Maybe it's that the advice wasn't designed for you. So join us on our journey as we call BS on all the bad advice preached to women based on male biology and unpack the systems of bias and privilege to find the habits, strategies, and mindsets that might actually work for you. And if you like what you hear, join us in our Facebook group to continue the conversation. Enjoy the show. in full flow and this is Jessica and Janice and I are going to be interviewing each other so that you can get learn a little bit about what we each do. So before we start that, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Again, my name is Jessica and I am a white cis straight college educated woman. Uh, I am so white. I do not tan. I just burn. <laughs> I grew up on the West Coast, uh, specifically the Pacific Northwest, but was raised by East Coast parents. So I'm a little bit laid back West Coast and a little bit go, go, go East Coast, uh, which surprises people a bunch. And I still live in the Pacific Northwest. Currently, I live in Portland, Oregon. I am child free by choice. Uh, though, as a women's health coach, where I kind of focus on all things the pelvis related and having to do with female biology, I support a lot of people along their parenthood journey. So whether that is fertility prep or pregnancy or postpartum care. So that is where I express a lot of my caregiving urges. And what else? What else? What else to say about myself? I was raised in a family that has both blue collar and white collar workers, as well as having been raised around a lot of European immigrants because I went to a bilingual school when I was young. So any country that has uh, French speaking <laughs> countries, I probably grew up around immigrants from those countries. <laughs> so having shared that, let me turn it over to Janice, my co-host. Janice, what would you like to share with the peoples? Well, um, descriptors about me. I'm straight. I'm a brown woman, Filipina, to be specific, Filipina-American. Um, I'm married with a husband, with my husband. 
Um, and we have a daughter, a young daughter. Um, I, I'm born from immigrant parents and I grew up on the East coast of the United States and have lived in the Southwest since high school. So that's, that's, that's the background. Um, went to college in the Southwest also. So I just, just never left. Um, I'm an online business manager and cons- and consultant, and I've owned my own business since 2007, like different iterations of business. Um, as an online business manager today, I help business owners and individuals improve their businesses and lives by helping them prioritize their work tasks and get support for the non-priority work tasks for them. So that's for me. That's That says about everything I need to know. <laughs> everything you need to know about me for right now. And all the questions you're about to get answered, right? So with that being said, Janice, what is your favorite sound? My favorite sound is, I had, it was toss-up for me, between the breeze in the breeze in the trees we don't have many well in this part of Arizona I live in the Phoenix area we don't have a Mm -hmm. lot of pine trees up north we do um but that is a memorable sound for me pine trees the wind moving through the pine trees of course that has a smell (laughs) involved Mm -hmm. too then um the close second was um sizzle when something hits a frying pan <laughs> a good sizzle <laughs> like, or a grill it could be a grill you can do a grill, sizzle on a grill too whatever creates that yeah just it sounds kind of brutal but at the same time like it just sounds delicious it how about you what's your favorite sound <laughs> so this one was hard for me when I was thinking about it um as a lifelong dancer like I have lots of associations with music And then, you know, it causes me to feel certain ways, but I realized it was just a sound having grown up in the Pacific Northwest. It's probably the sound of water, especially rain. I remember I lived in the Southwest for quite a number of years and the first rainy season that hit and the rain came and I was like, ah, that sound, I just hadn't realized it hadn't been there. And then much like you with the smell that smell of ozone when you walk outside after the rain when it hasn't been around Mm. for a while and it smells fresh and clean so yeah the sound of water like some of my favorite things um you know you hear it out when you're walking or the trickle of streams or you know the rush of the ocean but probably rain the sound of rain that's like Mm. the sound of my childhood (laughs) (laughs) can't imagine it without the sound (laughs) I follow, I always fall asleep to the sound, to rain sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good sound too. All right. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Uh, it, I, it feels a little, for anyone who's ever talked to me, it's like, I'm a dancer. Because <laughs> like, I always seems to be my answer. I'm a dancer. Um, Yes, dance, but I'm a really kinesthetic person. So when I'm... S- on a problem, you know, I'm the person who paces. It's not because I'm, I've had, 
friends or coworkers be like, why are you so stressed? I'm like, I'm not stressing. My body has to move so my brain can think. I don't know why, but sometimes I just need that. So that's kind of when I get my best ideas, when I feel like really charged and, and lit up, um, you know, I have done a lot of like teaching and things like that. And I don't sit still. If you want me to stand at a podium, it would, it would break me. Like I'm the person on stage who's like, then there's this with these big gestures and movements. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that like movement, like that ability to move and and to do the things that that's when I kind of like feel like my best self. I don't know if that's the inspiring part, but that's when I feel, that's when I feel normal. (laughs) I was not the part of your best self though. That is, yeah, I was not the kid who could sit still in class like that yeah that was torture <laughs> my daughter you? my daughter is gonna is is running into the same thing and and she's just she's just better when she's moving she just mm-hmm. feels better when she's moving so I can appreciate that my most inspired time is and this is gonna sound kind of like the time I feel most alive is by myself first of all so some components to this by myself, hey, introverts, <laughs> introvert, when I'm like travel is really the thing being in immersed in um, something unfamiliar culture mm-hmm. and learning. So I'm having to learn and process kind of for my survival. I feel very alive <laughs> then, but I don't like to do that with other people. So when I travel like that, like so, somebody has to have scouted out things okay. with other people. If it's by myself, I'll do the amount of research that I need to do before I get there in in the best case scenario. But I do enjoy the feeling of being a little bit lost and having to find find a way back out. So I, I have been known not, not recently to <laughs> get lost in a city on purpose. on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm waiting for it, waiting for it. You're going to say deliberately or on purpose. There you on go. Purpose. Yeah. So, so like the road trip that has an end destination where you just get to wander by yourself as your dream. That is, I don't know. I don't know if that's a dream because like that's kind of sketchy. That's kind of scary like, <laughs> from a safety perspective, but I do, but like that sense of like, that's probably the, the most amount of danger I can handle right now. It's like, I okay. got lost and I couldn't get out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is also post 2020 2021 like quarantine when is the last time we can get lost or go out so maybe there's a little more like danger worry mm. going on in the back of mind than there was prior to <laughs> the past yeah I mean, there's a definite wanderlust to just okay. go without a destination and just just see until we're sick of it or you know <laughs> it's time for dinner <laughs> okay so question two no three how would your family and friends describe what you do for a living? This one's always funny. This is, this is okay. My daughter knew from a young age that, you know, mommy works on a computer. Like that's about <laughs> as the extent as it goes. So both for my husband and I, we are the IT people for the rest of our family. We get mm. called in for like, hey, Jen, my phone's not working or it's not doing this or it's phones, computers any sort of electronic device. And I am not really the most qualified person for that. But, they, <laughs> but there's something about 
computer stuff and like the web and troubleshooting. So they've got it partly right, but it's not entirely right. I mean, um, I'm an online business manager, also known as like, I guess I'm a former VA, former virtual assistant. Um, I'm in the industry, I suppose, Mm -hmm. but I like to describe it as I help busy people focus their time and energy on the things they love and they want most. So kind of taking away the tasks and um, things that aren't in a way aren't serving them or aren't serving toward their goal that they're getting bogged down in. Some people think of that as like all the administrative stuff, but you need the, ad- the administrative stuff and the operational stuff to keep the thing operating. <laughs> so <laughs> I want you to focus on what you love and what you're good at, but in order to keep the business running, you need to have all the other stuff taken care of in a way. So finding systems for people to be able to do that. Yeah, I think one of the things that you and I both really gel on is like, we like systems. We like order. Organization. (laughs) Oh my God, color coding is awesome. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Does it make it easier for you to read? Well, yes, then you should do that. We should do that every, and we should do that all the time, every time. Repeatable. Yeah. Iterative things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know I've told you this before, but when I was in project management in my former corporate days, um, when people asked me what I did, I'd be like, I'm a project manager, which means I organize other people's chaos. And I'm a universal department translator. Universal department <laughs> translator. Like, that's really. I was like, my job is to like figure out what is the repeatable process that you're almost at, but don't consistently do and write it down and document it so that we can all do it. Which, yeah. <laughs> and also, what is the process that you will actually do? That was always part of, that That was like the universal department translator part. Yes. Like, how do I explain this same thing to multiple departments and language that they understand? And how do I actually get them to do it? Because, you know, one of the, one of the things that's always been a problem in project management is this idea that like, people are also the widgets in the system. And I'm like, that's not how people work. <laughs> you can measure, was it you can't manage what you can't measure? I'm like, yes. And you also can't motivate with measurements frequently. Mm, like yes. that that's usually the stick people are used with, but you know, what's the carrot guys? What, what are we going to get people to actually want to do this versus just being like, you didn't meet your number of da, 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 da this month or this week or this day or this year, whatever the measurement was. That's a great like, way of looking at it. <laughs> Sticks versus carrots. Yeah. <laughs> we need a couple <clears throat> of carrots. <laughs> I think that's, and that is really where you and I, I mean, people are going to see, people are going to hear this over and over again with us, but that's where you and I intersect is like in whatever we're doing, it comes back to a system um, and it comes back to like the human factor. Mm -hmm. Like what does this human and not every human is exactly the same. So what does this human need to um, incentivize, to motivate them? What makes them... What turns them on? <laughs> yes. So how would your friends and family describe what you do? for? Life? Oh, oh, well, that's, that's fun. Um, when I was in project management years ago, it was much easier. When I moved over to like women's health work and women's health coaching, I've got some really fascinating introductions at, you know, you're out and about with friends and family. It's like, oh, 
here's Jessica. We've known each other forever. She's the period per period problem person. Oh, okay. Sure. I could go with that. <laughs> She's the one who talks about sex and education a lot. I'm like, okay, I don't really consider myself a sex educator, but I guess you and I have talked about this a lot. I'm like, <laughs> She's the one who talks about, you know, insert some sort of topic that usually makes someone's eyebrows rise because we're out and about in public and these are not the topics that you talk about out and about in public. Um, so yeah, I've, I've gotten that wide range. That's also why my inbox from friends and family, whether it's on social media or my email is things like, well, I just told you recently, um, I had someone send me two podcasts from this new science series and one was on penises and one was on vaginas. And I was like, okay, this is a normal day for me. Hey, I saw this thing. Have you seen this thing? Anything, anything having to do with the reproductive organs, sexuality, sex, periods, um, funny pregnancy memes. Cause I've worked with a lot of pregnant people at, yeah, I, my inbox is just a whole realm of what used to be not safe for work. <laughs> But now actually is my work. work. (laughs) (laughs) Which saying that out loud makes that sound like wrong or bad or, you know, all the censorship we have around things. So like, oh yeah, no. (laughs) Okay. That's how people see me. Um, I usually describe myself as is, um, I'm a women's health coach and where I come from and why I do the work that I do is because there's just a lack of education on how the female reproductive system works. And I say female because it is the like female biology that some people are born with, whether they identify wherever they identify in the gender spectrum, um, that is not mired in the battle between, because I'm in the United States, as are you, the fight between pro-life and pro-choice. So like there's lots of effective information that folks with uteruses and and female hormones like estrogen, progesterone, or female pelvises just don't have about how their body works and what signs and symptoms are important to tell a doctor or, you know, how all of the physical exercise you've ever been taught is probably based off of the male pelvis and the angle between the female pelvis and the female knee is significantly greater. And so you see higher incidences of things like knee injuries in women or people with female biology. And, you know, that's fixable if we actually stop to take a step back and be like, oh, all of the systems around us are built on male biology. So if I were to take the lens of asking, does female biology in this instance matter? Because we are not just small men. I, I, we were, that's obviously one of the themes of our podcast, but um, what was it? We were talking earlier and um, I was reminded recently that in dosages for medications, there is a formula where if you have not tested a medication and it has not been tested by the FDA or gone through that process, and tested on women, the way you come up with the dosage is you you assume a woman is literally two thirds of a man, like just a smaller man. And that's how you come up with the dosage for women. Like there's this prevalent issue within the medical community. That's a lot of historic medical misogyny and it just plays out in so many places. And it's not just in Western medicine, it's in a lot of our society. So yeah, I view myself, I think 
I had to pick a title, it's women's health coach, but also like an educator, another person who helps you filter through the information you're getting and see whether or not it's actually built for female biology. Hmm. Um, and sometimes, and this is where I make a lot of people angry. I'm in the middle of like, oh, this is what Western medicine says. And this is what some of the alternative health branches say. And this is what some of the sex, sex educators say about like the same nerves in your pelvis that the pain researchers over in Western medicine are researching, but none of these groups talk to each other. And they like vilifying each other and saying that each side is stupid or ignorant for different reasons. And I'm really not down with that. <laughs> I really want to find like the nuggets in all of them. And I really wish they all talked to each other. <laughs> So I guess I'm still kind of a universal translator now that I say that. <laughs> that That's hasn't changed. What love. That's what we love about you is that you take all these different, all the different fields. And I'm hoping that's what our podcast will do for people too, in all different aspects of life. But um, you take all these different, different ways of talking about male, female biology and they converge with you. And now we all understand if we all would just listen. <laughs> I hope. And then sometimes I'm like, who am I? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professor. I'm not this. I'm like, um, yes, but also I'm willing to listen to all of those people. And it's amazing how many experts are sometimes not willing to listen to experts in other quote unquote fields that they just don't agree can be experts. So a very open-minded learner. <laughs> I try. Okay, enough about me. Now you I started. Oh, well, see, I was going to ask you. You, oh. you had been referencing that you started out in project management. Yeah. And then we see this thread of being the universal translator. Um, but how did you actually get started in women's health? <laughs> um, okay. So the year was 2016. Do you remember 2016 and being a woman in 2016 in the United States? <laughs> Wasn't that a fun time? Almost <laughs> as much fun as this past year, 2020. Almost. Um, yeah, I had gotten downsized. I, I started with a company that was expanding quickly and they did not realize that they were expanding too quickly. And being the first person, last person in, I was the first person out for my department when they downsized about, I think it was 12 or 15%, fun times. And so taking my severance, I was sitting there being like, do I really wanna go back into project management? Where do I wanna go? Doing all the things you're supposed to, the informational interviews, talking to people, and I distinctly remember being in a tea shop because I don't, don't drink coffee. <laughs> and I had one of those catch up chats with a friend who was also kind of a, also a business connection, but more friend. And after we got uh, past the checkup of like, how's the job search going and all these, we started talking about current events. And she was like that, you just lit up. Like, are you sure you don't want to go back and do something in politics? I should say that. I graduated with a public policy analysis degree um, or organizational studies with a focus on public policy analysis. So there was a time where I thought I might go into politics or that type of governmental work. Um, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, sorry. But you know, you have, an, you, you have a thought, like if I didn't go back into project management, what would I do? And yeah, the, the thing that came down to why I made the shift and why I went to this field was a sense of advocacy. This sense that I really want to make it my goal in life that people don't need someone like me in order to have the conversations they wanna have with their doctors or healthcare professional around 
their hormones or their pelvic floor issues or any other pelvic or female reproductive health related issue because there's enough information out there and pulling all of these fields together to make really informed decisions because you really understand how your body works. Um, I would like my job to be gone. Like if I had a magic wand, I could wave that. And so for me, a lot of what I do and why I do this and why I went into this is that kind of like burning fire advocacy issue. Yes, I love working with women. Yes, I love helping them. You know, yes, it's really exciting when I've supported someone through fertility or pregnancy and maybe postpartum and, you know, like they're all the feels and I love that I get to be there for, for folks during like some of those big transition moments in their lives. And there's value in that. And yet the thing that lights my fire kind of why I was like, yeah, let's do a podcast is getting the word out, you know, understanding that this is a topic you can talk about, that this is information you should have, that this is something you should have graduated from high school or college knowing about your body that no one's ever told you. And we have this really horrible tendency in the current medical model we have is period problems go in one box, fertility issues go in another box, pregnancy goes in a box, postpartum goes into a box, perimenopause and menopause go in a box, and never shall these boxes speak to each other, even though you could argue this is just the life cycle of the female reproductive system. That all the biology is the same. All the things that support that biology are largely fundamentally the same. I mean, there are some some changes when you're pregnant or you're breastfeeding or you're doing some things like that. And yet it's so easy in our very patriarchal society to just like stick symptoms in a box without addressing the whole woman. (laughs) And that's the part that it just makes me furious. That's the part where I was like, ah, advocacy. (laughs) Well, a lot of times the the system, see, we're going to talk about systems that don't work. A (laughs) lot. Systems that need adjusting. Um, The system doesn't look at the whole person and that affects women more because because the system's written for guys. So yeah. yeah. Specifically white guys in our society. Yeah, mm. that, that that's the <laughs> yeah. every marginalized identity you add to that, obviously it it becomes even harder because you have secondary mm-hmm. roles and norms and you know stereotypes and boxes you have to abide by. Um but yeah. Yeah, the system's not written for you. Yeah doesn't mean that you don't exist. It, it doesn't mean that we you have don't to exist. find our way. And the big part there is what I run into. And I know you run into is that you follow the advice that everyone says for any sort of issue. And then it doesn't work for you. And you assume it's you, you assume you weren't working hard enough. You weren't following the rules. You weren't like doing all the things you need to do. And when it turns out that the, the playbook you got was written for someone who doesn't have your identity. Um, and the playbook was written in a way so that it would make it easier for dudes basically to succeed at certain things. Or the playbook is written in such a way that it just assumes that since women are two thirds of men, that all the medical advice, if you just reduce it down by two thirds will work for women. And you're like, um, are you sure? Like, you know, and the thing I will be happy and satisfied with two thirds of what's available. <laughs> 
or, you know, for me, it always comes back to like the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. Are you sure that just by taking this dosage of medication or whatever this advice is and assuming that it will work for me, even though I have female biology with no actual proof that it's safe, let alone that it actually will work. Like the Hippocratic Oath is first don't do harm and then treat. So like you haven't even demonstrated that you know for sure that you won't do harm with this advice, let alone that this advice will actually biologically work for me. Thanks. I wish I'd done that going in. I would have beaten myself up so much less over the years in my teen years and twenties when I was like, why isn't this working for me? I must be defective. I must have not worked hard enough. I must have not done all of these things. Also, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So that probably does not help. (laughs) (laughs) We are both recovering. We're both recovering from, from so much, so much, so much. Thank you for listening to In Full Flow. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our podcast with a friend to get the word out about how we can stop living life like small men and start living life in full flow. And don't forget to join us over in the In Full Flow Facebook group to continue the conversation.